rhapsody, enthusiastic expression of feeling, an epic poem, a recitation, highly emotional utterance, literary, music in irregular form, stitched together, improvised, a collection of effusive, extravagant discourse, rapturous ecstasy. You're listening to A Rose Rhapsody. I understand. So when I get my unfortunately, I can think of just yet right now as I'm afraid to go from home. And now the read. Time was, with most of us, when Christmas Day, encircling all our limited world like a magic ring, left nothing out for us to miss or seek, bound together all our home enjoyments, affections, and hopes, grouped everything and everyone around the Christmas fire, and made the little picture shining in our bright young eyes complete. Time came, perhaps, also soon, when there was someone very dear, we thought then, very beautiful and absolutely perfect, at the Christmas hearth by which that someone sat. And when we intertwined with every wreath and garland of our life that someone's name, that was the time for the bright visionary Christmases which have long arisen from us, to show faintly after summer rain in the palest edges of the rainbow. That was the time for the beatified enjoyment of the things that were to be and never were. And yet the things that were so real in our resolute hope that it would be hard to say now what realities achieved since have been stronger. What? Did that Christmas never really come? When we and the priceless pearl who was our young choice were received by the two united families previously at daggers drawn on our account? Was that Christmas dinner never really eaten, after which we arose and generously and eloquently rendered honor to our late rival present in the company, then and there exchanging friendship and forgiveness, and founding an attachment not to be surpassed in Greek or Roman story which subsisted until death? Has that same rival long ceased to care for that same priceless pearl, and married for money and become usurious? And is our life here at the best so constituted that, pausing as we advance at such a noticeable milestone in the track as this great birthday, we look back on the things that never were as naturally and full as gravely as on the things that have been and are gone, or have been and still are. If it be so, and so it seems to be, must we come to the conclusion that life is little better than a dream, and little worth the loves and strivings that we crowd into it? No, 
Far be such miscalled philosophy from us, dear listener, on Christmas Day. Nearer and closer to our hearts be the Christmas spirit, which is the spirit of active usefulness, perseverance, cheerful discharge of duty, kindness, and forbearance. It is in the last virtues especially that we are or should be strengthened by the unaccomplished visions of our youth. Therefore, as we grow older, let us be more thankful that the circle of our Christmas associations and of the lessons that they bring expands. Let us welcome every one of them and summon them to take their places by the Christmas hearth. Welcome, old aspirations, glittering creatures of an ardent fancy to your shelter underneath the holly. We know you and have not outlived you yet. Welcome, old projects and old loves, however fleeting, to your nooks among the steadier lights that burn around us. Welcome, all that was ever real to our hearts, and for the earnestness that made you real, thanks to heaven. Do we build no Christmas castles in the clouds now? Let our thoughts fluttering like butterflies among these flowers of children bear witness. Before this boy there stretches out a future, brighter than we ever looked on in our old romantic time, but bright with honor and with truth. Welcome everything. Welcome alike what has been and what never was and what we hope may be to your shelter underneath the holly, to your places round the Christmas fire, where what is sits open-hearted. In yonder shadow do we see, obtruding furtively upon the blaze, an enemy's face. By Christmas Day we do forgive him. If the injury he has done us may admit of such companionship, let him come here and take his place. If otherwise, unhappily let him go hence, assured that we will never injure nor accuse him. On this day we shut out nothing. Pause, says a low voice. Nothing. Think. On Christmas Day we will shut out from our fireside nothing. Not the shadow of a vast city where the withered leaves are lying deep, the voice replies. Not the shadow that darkens the whole globe. Not the shadow of the city of the dead. Not even that. Of all the days in the year, we will turn our faces towards that city upon Christmas Day, and from its silent hosts bring those we loved among us. Yes, we can look upon these children angels that alight so solemnly, so beautifully among the living children by the fire, and can bear to think how they departed from us. There was a gallant boy who fell far away upon a burning sand beneath a burning sun, and said, Tell them at home with my last love how much I could have wished to kiss them once, but that I died contented and had done my duty. Or there was another, over whom they read the words, Therefore we commit his body to the deep, and so consigned him to the lonely ocean and sailed on. Or there was another, 
who lay down to his rest in the dark shadow of great forests, and on earth awoke no more. Oh, shall they not from sand and sea and forest be brought home at such a time? There was a dear girl, almost a woman, never to be one, who made a morning Christmas in a house of joy, and went her trackless way to the silent city. Lost friend, lost child, lost parent, sister, brother, husband, wife, we will not so discard you. You shall hold your cherished places in our Christmas hearts and by our Christmas fires, and in the season of immortal hope and on the birthday of immortal mercy we will shut out nothing. The winter sun goes down over town and village. On the sea it makes a rosy path, as if the sacred tread were fresh upon the water. A few more moments and it sinks, and night comes on, and lights begin to sparkle in the prospect. On the hill, beyond the shapeless, diffused town, and in the quiet keeping of the trees that gird the village steeple, remembrances are cut in stone, planted in common flowers, growing in grass, entwined with lowly brambles around many a mound of earth. In town and village, there are doors and windows closed against the weather. There are flaming logs heaped high. There are joyful faces. Be those remembrances admitted with tender encouragement. They are of the time and all its comforting and peaceful reassurances, and of the history that reunited even upon the earth the living and the dead, and of the broad beneficence and goodness that too many men have tried to tear to narrow shreds. You've been listening to What Christmas Is As We Grow Older, an essay by Charles Dickens. I'm Christopher Lane. Episodes of The Rose Rhapsody drop the first Monday of every month and can be found on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you take your listening pleasure. That fabulous horn you've been hearing belongs to Marcus Roots, along with his collaborator on the keys, Adrian Ruiz. Additional tracks from Sessions of Rhapsody in Blue feature guitarist Matt Gold, Hayter Garcia on percussion, and the tenor saxophone of Irvin Pierce. 
To learn more about us and what we do, head over to theroserhapsody.com. And if you love interesting new content as much as we do, spread the word or drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. This week's podcast was produced by Trevor Cochran and Richard C. Washer and is a product of the Rose Theatre Company, All Rights Reserved. I'm Leslie Kopolinski. Now let's get back to that horn. <laughs>